Hello and welcome back to the Really Refreshing Podcast. Um, I'm joined once more by my buddy Adam. Hey Adam, how's it going? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Uh, very well. The holiday season is over. I'm going to complete a bucket list item of mine, which is finally going to the Sundance Film Festival here in your neck of the woods in a couple of weeks. Definitely... Uh... Try and knock out as many as possible. That's that, that is my uh, tip. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of stress just like trying to figure out what it's gonna look like. Yeah, I know it's just like so overwhelming. Every single day, there's like something I want to see, and oh man, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah, you kind of have to uh, uh, throw in the the fact that you know it's first come first serve, so. When you're buying a ticket, you gotta go like, okay, so this one ends at one o'clock. This one shows at two o'clock. I don't think I can make that one in terms of the lines. Probably gonna be ridiculous. Plus, I gotta like travel from one theater in Park City. Maybe I gotta go all the way to Salt Lake. Find parking. You gotta take that into consideration. Cause sometimes you'll get there and you're like, okay, no, never mind. You'll just you'll just see the line. And you're like, no, not gonna do it. I'll try another <laughs> showing. <laughs> yeah uh I, I'm, I'm stressing a bit about that yeah and all the showings are like listed at like three hours long uh and it's like oh well i know that these movies aren't that long and i'm sure that they're baking that in for like potential q a's and stuff but they're not most of them aren't going to have those things yeah so typically the like one and two like the first and second viewing typically have a q a um, so it's, it's, I'd say the majority of the films are going to be about an hour 40 to two hours. Uh, and then you take it into consideration like a half hour of Q and a, that's why they kind of like broaden it. So they just want you to plan ahead and be like, okay, yeah, this is probably going to be about three hours give or take. Uh, okay. Well, I'm looking forward to the experience, good or bad and just learning, uh, what I've always been curious about. And then, yeah, uh, hoping to see you out there as well. Likewise. So, uh, listeners, I know I've been away for quite some time, been really busy out in the real world there, um, but I've been getting back into it on the website with my written reviews. Uh, you can look forward to the first ever Reelies, my uh, own personal award show coming up soon. Um, there, I have some fun categories planned for these awards. They're not going to be your typical style. Um but at any rate, uh, Adam's joining me here today to count down our top 10 favorite films of 2022, which I'm sure I'll be kicking myself about in a couple of days about something I left off or <laughs> uh, something I might have changed my mind about. It happens every year. Um, we'll also be doing the top five TV shows and, of course, uh, our honorable mentions for both of those categories. Um, and we'll just lightly touch on each of those projects. Um I thought before we could get started on our list, though, um, back in, uh, I believe, July, we did our, it was either July or, no, it was, I think it was August, um, or maybe early September, we did our top 10 films, or uh, five films that we had most anticipated for the remainder of the year. Yeah. Um, 
and I thought it would be fun to just quickly go through those and see how we feel about our picks from back then. <laughs> Which even at the time, I uh, I didn't feel good about a lot of my picks. And I will say, frankly, uh, I've kind of failed because I haven't seen a lot of the movies that we picked still, even though they were on our most anticipated. So uh, L for me on that. I'm trying uh, to remember, what were my five? Do you happen to have them? Oh, I, I went back uh, before okay. this recording to, <laughs> to write them down. So first was our Dark Horses. Um, your Dark Horse was The Whale, and uh, which okay. I still have not seen. Have you seen it? Yes, I have. How do you feel about that pick now? Um, I'm happy I saw it, because Darren Aronofsky is uh, you know, hit and miss. Uh, that being said, it I had issues with it. Um, felt it was a little manipulative. It's been and, pretty controversial. Yeah, I mean that controversial aspect I don't really buy into. Um, however, I'm happy for Brandon. Um, I don't see him winning the Oscar. I have uh, Colin kind of uh pushing it at the end and getting it which i'd uh, be happy with i would be so happy for colin yeah um, but I'll, i'd also be happy for brandon i just don't absolutely think... yeah i haven't even seen the movie and i'm like yeah yeah i'd be fine with that <laughs> yeah i just felt like his role was uh a little simple yeah to say the least my dark horse pick was Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, which I will just—I mean, personally—I don't know about you. I thought it was a dud or a pretty bland experience. I don't know. I didn't—I didn't care for it that much. It was um, typical MC MCU film lately. Yeah, yeah, that sums uh, it up. And we, we both have that thoughts about the MCU lately, where it's just just struggling right now. It's, they're yeah. trying to find their uh, the path and yeah. I'm excited really for a that. couple of this year's entries though. Um, Ant Man might be okay or interesting, and then Guardians. Yeah, yeah. Ant Man third one was the Guardians, and then is it the Marvels. Uh, I'll pass on that one, but, but uh, yeah, <laughs> the first two I'll see. I mean, I'm gonna see them all, but I mean, I did, I really didn't like Captain Marvel. Likewise. Um, all right, so let's jump into our number fives. Your number five was Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans. Um, uh, how do you feel now? Do you feel like that should have been higher? Are you good with it at five? I'm good with it at five. Cool. My number five is a movie that I haven't been able to see yet because it just dropped yesterday, finally, uh, in AZ at one single theater. Um, but it's uh, <laughs> Women Talking. Is this available yet in your area? No. It doesn't come here for another week. I'm upset. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, and it has to be. It's going to be two more weeks over here until it expands to just like other theaters besides the very expensive Harkins. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm still going to see it. Uh, but yeah, Same. we weren't going to wait around uh, to see that to do this uh, countdown here. It's their. It's their loss, Tanner. <laughs> there yeah exactly uh so your number four was white noise uh which i watched last weekend i, I didn't dig too much i was kind of just conf like you know i wasn't super engaged in it it was fine but yeah i didn't i didn't have high expectations for it how did you feel about it 
Yeah, it, I struggled with it. I, yeah. I, um, it took me two different viewings. I, I had to cut it into half. Same, same. It just wasn't peaking my interest. I was just like, is this a movie? <laughs> like... Yeah, I had my phone off. I was trying to figure out what tone they were going for. They said it's a satire, and I'm like, okay, but what's funny about this? Yeah. Um, it just really didn't click for me. I I was Same. really disappointed with uh, with it because I I love Noah, love Greta, love Adam, and, uh, Driver, and it's just like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, I always appreciate people trying something different or interesting, but I mean, I just didn't think it worked. Um. Uh, my number four was The Whale, which hilariously I still haven't seen, even though it's been out for like a month now over here. Um, but I will, uh, probably this week. Num- I gotta see Megan first. <laughs> oh, God, Megan. Yeah. Uh, per the wife. Um, your number three, much like Women Talking, is a movie that has been pushed a thousand times, uh, and that is The Sun. Uh, I don't think that's been available yet. No, it hasn't, and I'm uh, I'm actually okay with it because I'm hearing some pretty negative buzz about it. So I, I mean, I'll still see it. Yeah, I'll still see it, but yeah, it, that's another one where it just kept getting pushed back. Where I'm just like, what is? If you're trying to get in into the awards season, it's like. You're coming in way too late. Both women talking and the sun. Like, they're coming in, like, late January. I'm like, how are you expecting to have any sort of buzz? In theaters, no less. So, like, nobody's going to get to see it. Exactly. So, yeah. Pretty wild. My number three, (laughs) which at the time was just a wild last-minute switch... And I even admitted at the time that this was a stupid, stupid pick, but I wanted to do it anyway because I should have backed up with context. When we did this list, the movies that we were most interested in didn't have any footage. Like, all the movies we picked, it was just like we had nothing. Maybe a, a single still image. But we had nothing to go off of besides, like, the synopsis and knowing who was involved with the projects. So we may have some misses on on our picks but it's like we had literally nothing to go off of at the time that we did our most anticipated um but anyway my number three was don't worry darling which in a way was a a very entertaining uh experience like even outside of the film itself like uh the drama uh the spit gate of it all uh was a fun thing to follow (laughs) miss flow baby yeah (laughs) Um, but yeah, that movie was a, a disaster, but like, it wasn't as terrible as I thought it would be walking into it. Like, I do find myself laughing about it a lot, but, uh, it could have been worse. <laughs> Your number two pick was Blonde. How do you feel about mm-hmm. that one? I still have not seen Blonde. I You haven't cannot... seen Blonde? I haven't. Um, I'm happy with it. I'm actually really happy with it. Are we going to be talking about it again? We will be talking about spot? it again. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I never got it. I don't know what happened. I think I just bought into the discourse, and then I was just like, three hours, man. Oof, I don't know. And then I just never did it. Why are there so many three-hour-long films this last year? I, I think the studios are finally just letting uh, 
Some directors just have Final Cut. It's like so fucking many movies are three hours long from this year. It's like maddening to me. <laughs> and most yeah. of them, like, are there is just so many clear cut like spots where you're like, yeah, you definitely could have shortened this here, or this is yep. quite a bit of an excess here. Um, but then hilariously, I saw a clip this morning from a James Cameron masterclass where he was talking about stuff like that. And he was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I know it doesn't contribute to anything, but I want to see it. And so it's got to be there. Um, well, especially from Cameron's perspective, yeah. he's probably been envisioning that scene for you know, years. So, And it's a little different for me because he's effort. like, he's a visual yeah. storyteller and it's like not so much exactly. about the content. Um, exactly. My number two, which I do feel great about, was The Fablemans, which I absolutely adore and we will definitely be talking about again. Um and now here's the fun one. We both had the same number one pick, and it was Damien Chazelle's Babylon. Um, and we both kind of had mixed feelings about it, um, from what I gather. Um, yes. I, it's also one of those movies where it's like I walked out of it being like, huh, I don't know how I feel, but it's also festered on me a lot, where it's like I find myself thinking about it a lot. Um, I still don't know either way like what my overall feelings i'd probably need to see it again but uh it's 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 an enigma for sure i will wait like a year or so and then i'll watch it again and see where i feel but right now it's my least favorite damien sercell movie Um, oh yeah that goes without saying for sure i just i understand the love you know there's a small very loud babylon hive right now that is just like I don't know what movie you guys are seeing, but this is the greatest movie of the decade so far. And, you know, in my mind, I'm like, what movie did you see that I didn't? Because um, I, I would say about half of it, just a little bit more than half, is great. But then the other half is just, what is happening? Like, what are you trying to do? Yeah. And I just lost interest a little bit. I agree. I'll definitely give it a rewatch, um, but uh, it won't be making my top ten, even though it was my most anticipated. Um, yeah. Maybe upon rewatch, I'll have a change of view. I will have a category, uh, spoiler alert, on the Reelys Award for uh, movies I was wrong about. Um, so I will. <laughs> uh, I have a couple films in there that like I changed my mind about on second viewing and almost made my top ten, but then I was like, eh... I'll, I'll stay safe here because I've had two different views on it from two different showings. So um, I don't want to jump the gun and put it in the history books as my top 10 fave of the year. Yeah. So uh, they will remain out of the top 10 for me. Um, but yeah, that was a little quick refresher on our most anticipated. Um, let's talk about TV for a bit. Um, how did you, I thought it was a fairly decent year of television. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like, much like movies, it was very front-loaded, where there was a lot of really great shows in the first half of the year, and then it yeah. was a bit more sparing in the second half. I would agree with that. It was uh, kind of overwhelming. Like, I didn't catch up on all the shows until probably fall, because there were so many that happened in, like, spring and, like, early summer. So, and definitely in the winter over the last, like, two months, I've had basically nothing to watch 
uh, because I just marathoned every show. But then I went back and was rewatching a couple of things just to try and make this top five list with a couple honorable mentions. But it was it was difficult. Uh, it was more difficult to make the top five TV shows than it was top ten movies. Yeah, I didn't spend as much effort on my TV shows. I did a podcast like this with my friend a couple of weeks ago. Or actually, it was like a month ago. We did a Christmas pod, and he still hasn't released it. But uh, with my like group friends, and we did top three of TV and movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Order hasn't really changed since then. Um, but oh, um, I my it was easy for me to make the top five TV shows. Like I knew like right off the bat what I wanted on there. Um, but I probably should have done more research to go back and see all the shows that I watched because I don't add, I don't, I, you probably can, but I haven't ever added TV shows to my letterboxed. Uh, there's a couple, um, that you can, but there's a, there's a few, it kind of depends on the show. I think it'll have a spot for it on letterboxd, but then others won't. Like, they won't even be in Letterboxd for you to, like, rate and, like, add on. Okay, I did find my list, though, from back then. I was just about to say I lost my honorable mentions, but now I just found them. And so, uh, since I didn't prep that hard for my TV shows, maybe I'll regret those, but at least I've now found some a list of other shows that I really love from throughout the year. Um, so with that, let's just jump into it. We're going to do five for the TV shows. Um, what's your number five favorite show of the year? Sure. Number five favorite show of the year is Industry. Ooh, uh, okay. I've heard a yeah, lot yeah. about Industry from the Watch podcast from The Ringer. Uh, I have not seen it yet. So uh, I am actually in need of a show to watch right now. So maybe I'll go with that. It is... Um... For warning for anyone who wants to watch the show, it is basically Skins slash Euphoria meets Wolf of Wall Street. So okay, I am fucking sold. Oh my god, I didn't. I've never heard that description before. Holy hell! Yeah, it's loaded um, with. I mean, it's it's set in England, so uh, <laughs> it's it's just loaded with profanity sex drugs all in banking industry and uh just follows a bunch of 20 early 20 year olds uh just trying to make it career wise and try to balance their personal life it is chaotic it is addictive um and it is so well written that you just keep coming back for more love it i'm looking forward to checking it out I'm double-checking my old list just to make sure I don't kick myself in the face. Uh, I don't feel great about my number five pick. <laughs> uh, oh, it could be so many things. Just throw uh, in an honorable mention in, in the place of it. Okay. Well, I'm trying to pick, like, which of these do I love more? You know what? All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a last-minute reversal here. Um, my number five is going... Well, do we want to do honorable mentions last after we get through our five? Yeah, we can do honorable missions last. That's fine. Okay, okay. 
Um, all right, I'm going to make a last-minute flip-flop. This won't be as worse as the Don't Worry Darling one. But, <laughs> but uh, um, my number five pick will be uh, season two of The White Lotus. Okay. Which I, nice. I, nice pick. I, I really enjoy that show, both seasons. Uh, this one, I was very invested and ready like the second those episodes are up i'm like that's looking forward to my sunday nights like just had a lot of fun with it uh i've always been a big mike white fan uh so uh i, I really enjoyed white lotus season two so that's my number five pick did you watch white lotus season two yes very much very much enjoyed it awesome what's your number four my number four pick is uh pachinko Ooh, on Apple. It's, uh, uh, it's another one I still haven't Apple, seen. Yeah, yeah. My wife loves yeah, the book, a, uh, uh, so I was trying to convince her to watch the show. Oh, she has to watch the show. It's so good. It's it's just um really great look at a like generational family, um, like set in. Korea, but also set in Japan. Uh, just following like bonds between family. It's very emotional, uh, and it's incredibly well written and well acted. You never get lost at where you're at because it's set in three different time periods. I think it's the early 1900s. I think the 1940s. I think, and then the 1980s. So nice. it jumps back and forth between all of those and you always know where you're at you're never lost and it just hits you like a like a freight train at the end you're like this is this is incredible damn are, i think they're making more of those uh they are okay cool they're i'll better. get into it yeah i'm pretty sure they're at least making season two right now um my number four is Something that should probably be higher, but something uh, a man I, I greatly adore. It's the rehearsal from Nathan Fielder. Um, <laughs> yes. uh, I I'm a big Nathan Fielder fan, and this show was a trip. Like it is like arguably one of the greatest pilots uh, of all time, <laughs> and it's also hilarious because the pilot is really nothing like the rest of the series. <laughs> but absolutely uh, it's not. Great. It's a whole one eighty on you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but man, I I had so much fun with that show, and I probably watched every episode multiple times. You're a fan of the rehearsal too, right? Oh God, yeah, yeah. Um, what is your number three? My number three. I have a feeling this may come on your list, but my number three is Andor. Oh, Andor is very very good. And I'm sorry, take away. Oh. I'm just gonna say it's the best thing that it's the best Star Wars since the OG trilogy. It really puts you there. Um, the the writing by Tony Gilroy and his staff, including his brother Dan Gilroy, they did an excellent job at creating an atmosphere, really putting you there, making you actually care about these characters and what's occurring in you know basically in the war uh, between the empire and the rebellion and how it's kind of just brewing how the rebellion is just starting to really gain steam in a sense and fight against the empire 
and it's so good that I just couldn't believe that Disney was like, yeah, we will let you get Final Cut, Tony. Go ahead and make whatever show you want to make. And I'm like, thank you for finally doing that because you allowed the basically the universe to grow exponentially. And I can't wait for to see, you know, if they kind of uh, give other filmmakers a chance to uh, uh, basically try out new things. Because my God, it was just so refreshing to see them. Uh, really take a swing and just hit a home run out of the park agreed um i i find it just such a punk rock show where they don't it's like very anti-television show like Mm -hmm. they don't end with cliffhangers uh they don't go for big over-the-top stuff um it's like really it's like structurally it's like four movies that are like three parters on each movie Um, the good guys do bad shit. The, for the first time ever, the Empire is actually terrifying and, like, horrendously evil. (laughs) Um, and, like, you know, it's, like, dealing with fascism and stuff, and it's, like, boots on the ground, detailed stuff that you would never see in anything else. Like, it's just, like, wild stuff. Um, I really did love it. Yeah, it felt, um... I was talking to my friend yesterday about it, and we both agreed like it felt lived in. Yeah. And uh, and that's, I, I think it helps with the fact that they allowed them to build all the sets and everything like that, so it felt a lot more like you were there physically versus green screen or blue screen, you know, in the background. Well, I'm sure they still use that, obviously. You're not going to actually fly these planes. Yeah. That being said... The buildings and all the the creatures and you know the actual having puppets, like you could feel it, and it added that much more to it. Yeah, definitely. Don't hate me, but this is the one I quickly removed from my list as we started talking <laughs> and switched with the White ah. Lotus. I know, shame on me. All good. I I it is really 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 good. Um, I think I just had a little bit more fun with White Lotus. Um. And I feel like most of my, a lot of my picks are based around fun, obviously with like the rehearsal there. Um, And speaking of big franchises uh, doing something a little different, uh, my number three is House of the Dragon, um, which uh, I'm a huge, huge George R. R. Martin fan. I've read all his books with the exception of, ironically, Fire and Blood, the uh, book that this show is based (laughs) off of, um, just because it's like a history book. But since the show finished, I did pick up the book and I've been reading it. Um, it's very good. But uh, yeah, it, I had a blast with House of the Dragon. Uh, I People had a really, myself included, had a really bad taste in their mouths from the last couple seasons of Game of Thrones. Um, but I think that they really relaunched the, the franchise in a really fun and interesting way. Yeah, very much so. I, um, I, I really, really enjoyed the show. Um, I like that it was a complete like 180 compared to Game of Thrones where you know Game of Thrones was you know, six or seven different locations hmm. all happening at the same time. This is like one location. Some people found it a little dull in that factor, but I was engaged into it um, and 
really learning about the Targaryen family, uh, and the time jumps never bothered me. I totally knew where I was at all times. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, just riveting stuff. Can't wait for season two. Even though I gotta wait another year for it, it's fine. Yeah. I'll do it. Uh, I hope Patty is, uh, up for an Emmy at the very least. I, I have conflicting feelings because I don't want him to like beat Bob Odenkirk, but at the same time, this is a magnificent performance. Would he be best support? I feel like he'd be best supporting, wouldn't he? I don't know. He was the first name on the uh, credits on the show, so I feel like it's like a, uh, oh, a Sean Bean type yeah. situation where like he's like top build actor, but I don't know. That's It's hard with uh, ensemble pieces. It is. All right, what's your number two? Uh, my number two is, uh, speaking of Bob, Odenkirk, Better Call Saul. Yes, the... my number two is also Better Call Saul. And I, oh. now I have a sneaking <laughs> suspicion we have the same number one as well. <laughs> but uh, uh, let's talk about the have... glorious final season of Better Call Saul. I, uh, I can't believe what... Peter Gold and um, oh god what's his name Vince Gilligan <laughs> I blanked there for a second there Vince Gilligan and Peter Gold came up with I mean six seasons you, you know when it was first announced like we're only going to make a spinoff about Saul Goodman I was like what like why and then of course they just prove you wrong every season just gets better and better you get yeah. completely invested in all the characters. They throw in the cartel. They interweave uh, the Breaking Bad timeline. You're just like, this is incredible. Even though you yeah. knew what would happen to some characters, it never, um, it never downed the uh, the tension. The tension was always there. The writing yeah. was always top notch. The acting was always there, and it they just hit you with. Uh, just high regards all the time you're like my god this is just incredible this is peak television this is why this has been like the best show or one of the best shows on tv six years straight absolutely and it doesn't get the credit it deserves and it is like on par at the very least with breaking bad it is so so oh, god, so yeah. good and uh they really pulled off the ending like i had no idea how it was going to end, and I feel like arguably it had a better ending than Breaking Bad did. Um, I would agree. Yeah, so like just absolutely incredible, and honestly I kind of hate myself that it's number two, but uh, there's something else that just captured my heart like so much that I, I, I can't fathom putting anything above it. Um, so let's hear your number one. I wonder if my number one is the same as yours, but we'll find out right now. My number one is The Bear. Uh, guess what, buddy? It is. <laughs> yes. Yes. Same One-two punch. Oh, God. What a... I was so flabbergasted by this show. Like, I obviously knew nothing about it, and then I heard the buzz out there, and I love mm -hmm. cooking stuff. Like, I mean, I am a terrible cook, but I watch the Food Network, like, 24-7. I'm obsessed with cooking. Um, and this show was just, like, it hits you like a freight train. It's so well done. It's it's and it's so small, but it's mm -hmm. so like 
gorgeously made, well acted and written, and it's just like, man, what a what a stunningly well made show. Can't wait for more. <laughs> I I I mean I just couldn't. There's no words to describe how this show makes me feel. It is so good. I recommend it to every single person that I possibly can. I uh, a friend of mine right now is watching it right now. Uh, and they are loving it, and I'm like, damn right. <laughs> it only took you five months to get around to it, but it's fine. You're watching it, step one. You know, it's just a uh, completely anxiety attack. <laughs> just puts you right there in the kitchen, and just makes you just go like, oh my god, just pulling your hair out. Like, this is insane. Uh, it is just always yelling. But it just—it's so vibrant, and uh, yeah, and it makes you feel good too. I mean, it makes you feel God, really yeah. sad in parts, but then you also feel great too. It's like it gives yeah. you that little bits of like the Ted Lasso effect. Um, yeah, you just have to be patient with it because uh, by like episode three, episode four, it it starts peeling away. Uh, part of my pun, the onion. Uh, just like the layers of it just like each character gets a moment and you go okay now i understand this character more now i understand this character's it's just like you just had to be patient with it it's only eight episodes and they're like 40 minutes so they're quick but man it's just so good and jeremy allen white again i just absolutely crushes it i want him to have a war recommend like i can't recommend him enough However, you know, it is Bob Odenkirk's time, but if if he does lose, I'd be happy if Jeremy Allen White uh, takes the cake. Another pun intended. <laughs> pun believable. Uh, yeah, definitely check out The Bear if you haven't. It is uh, incredible and a very quick watch. You'll breeze through it. Um, and thank God, it was supposed to be a miniseries, but we will uh, be getting more. So that is great news to hear. Um, yeah. Let's quickly go through some of our honorable mentions for TV shows. Um, what are some that you got? Uh, my f- a couple honorable mentions are Barry, Severance, House of the Dragon, The White Lotus, and The Rehearsal. So three of your top five were just missed my cut. I've I shared Severance with you. Um, that that was on and Barry. Those are both on mine. And Succession. Wait, Succession was on this year, right? No, that's twenty twenty one. All right, take I yeah, I put a bunch of shows on here for some reason that did not uh play this year. Oh my god, now I found the one that I'm kicking myself over. I got a shout out Atlanta. Um which uh Wait, which season? Season three or season four? Ah, I knew you were gonna ask that. Uh it's it's season four. Although I will say for the record I did enjoy season three as well. I know that many did not, but uh I was for it. But uh, season four, I thought every episode was a banger, and it was like it was just like a best of. It was like we're gonna give you every episode that's like, like I like a past uh, Atlanta episode, but it's like mm-hmm. mixing the three flavors of the three different seasons because all three seasons uh, of before season four are immensely different, and uh, you kind of get each flavor of those throughout season four. And I think it had a absolutely incredible uh, series finale. Um, so. Yeah, I. I... I mean, Atlanta, just, I mean, Don Glover and his uh, writing staff just really just always 
just trying new things, never uh, listening to the audience or the critics. They, they, they made what they wanted to make, and kudos to them for just powering through with that. Uh, yeah, I, I also liked the finale a lot. I like that it didn't feel like a finale, um, because most finales, are, you know, they always are neatly tied together. It's like, oh, happy ending. This is just like a typical Atlanta episode. It's like, like, hey, let's just throw some crazy shit your way. Enjoy it. It's like, oh, okay, this is definitely Atlanta. This feels like Atlanta. Yeah, a wonderful ending to this series. So overall, really great year for television. Um, and lots of good shows to look forward to this year. Uh, I know that The Last of Us starts uh, next weekend, so I'm looking forward to that. Can't wait. All right, so now we've made it to the top 10 films of 2022. Um, overall, my list, uh, I put it together a couple days ago. Obviously, I sw swapped things in and out many, many times. And overall, I kind of went with uh, enjoyment more so than like recognition of artistry or writing and or just like technical aspects of what makes films great and i kind of went more so with movies that i just like really dug or thought about a lot or have watched many many times i think that's what you do typically you know over the years that we've shared top 10 lists um you know, when we discuss ours, uh, you, you, you typically go with that. Where you go like, I really like that movie, I just don't know if I'll watch it again. Um, so it kind of like loses its steam factor. Yeah, and that's the other thing too, is this year I tried to re-watch more movies, just so I don't regret the choice later when I do eventually rewatch it, I'm like, oh, maybe I didn't like this as much. Or the reversal, because recently I've been rewatching some movies and finding I like them more. Um, yeah, did you want to start with your, uh, with honorable mentions first? Just yeah, should we out? do honorable mentions first? Um, yeah. Okay. I've got a lot of those. <laughs> um, you, go, you go You go. first. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll follow okay. you. Okay. Okay, because there's a I feel really dirty, and there's one movie that I left on my list that after a recent rewatch I don't feel as good about, but I'm gonna keep it in for reasons I'll discuss later. Um, but here's like a handful of my uh, honorable mentions. Uh, number one, Jackass Forever. <laughs> I'm a huge Jackass fan, and I've probably rewatched that movie more than any other this year because I just have so much fun with those. Um. And then I'm going to go with the documentary Senior about the two Robert Downeys, uh, which I watched that recently and I really, really loved. Uh, I rewatched Elvis recently and I actually kind of liked it the second time around. Um, so I kind of put that as an honorable mention. At the very least, I always liked uh, Austin Butler's performance and did not like uh, Tom Hanks. But uh, it... it it's it was better on second viewing. I wasn't really digging it the first time around that I saw it. And then um, Robert Eggers, The Northman, uh, just missed my list. And then the Adam Sandler uh, Hustle film. I'm a, uh, I was quite a big fan of. 
I, um, let's see. So, Jackass Forever, I liked how it tied together, kind of like, all of the films. Uh, and I thought it was a nice way to, like, send them off, in a sense. While also introducing a new cast of, like, good people. Well, yeah, yeah, the the little newbies, which I thought they all did a good job. Uh, I forget forget one guy's name, but he really kind of was, like, the MVP. Poopies? (laughs) Of of the year. Of the the forever one. Yeah. I forget what his name was, but he was a newbie one. Uh, Maybe, yeah, that's it. And then uh, Senior, I, I like that one. Uh, packed a little bit of emotional punch at the end. And uh, I like how it was like two different movies. Yeah, one. yeah. Like it was like a... And I thought they uh, edited that well. I'm not uh, familiar with Senior's work, but like seeing footage of his films... In that doc, I was like, oh, man, this is my vibes right here. I need to seek out his movies and see those. I don't know if it would be my vibe. Um, it definitely seems very experimental, so I give him kudos for that. Uh, and Apparently, you know, he's a big influence on Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah, his, like, second son. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, I didn't realize that. Uh, Northman, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yes, I'm so glad that it's on yours, because uh, <laughs> it was really great, and it, I, uh, that's one of the ones where I'm like, oh, I probably fucked up not not putting that there. I, I could, I should probably swap I think it, it just out. Just came but... out too early. Yeah, well, it was a front loaded year. There was a lot of good stuff, like February through like June this year, or May. Yeah, and then a dead zone for like four months. Yep. And then, uh, shoot, what was one you just recommended? Oh, Elvis. Uh, I just did not like Elvis. Yeah, um, I feel it. It's very excessive. Austin Butler, give him all the props in the world. Deserves a nomination. If he wins the Oscar, I'm going to throw something. Yeah, that would be it's going to be Rami Malek all over again. Yep. Um, and, uh, but again, he he's very, very good in the movie. I just don't think he should win the oscar if anything it should get the nominations for like production design uh makeup yeah you know just some of the technical stuff but that's the one that i'll flip a bitch about though i'll flip a bitch about that because like there's been a lot of steam for elvis as far as like best picture goes and like that is like something that i cannot have I don't understand it. I'm like, what are they watching? I mean, no, no, no offense, because no, no, not not offense. I just wanted to clarify. I liked it a lot more the second time around, and I kind of had a lot of fun with it and recognized the technical aspects, but it still didn't make my top ten. Oh, I just it's such a bland biopic. Uh, just turned into a bland biopic uh, for me, and where I knew exactly where I was going, and was never wowed by it um aside from Austin Butler's performance but the story itself I was just like this is so bleh. and I just I couldn't wait for it to end it was like two hours and like it's like two and a half hours too or 240 and I'm like it's very this is long like 30 minutes too long yeah. 
maybe that's what it was like watching it at home on HBO was uh, a much easier experience. And by the way, sorry for running through my list there. I lost audio for you, and so I, I didn't know if you were there or not, so I just ran through it. Oh, no, no. I, was, I was just listening to your list. <laughs> oh, okay, gotcha. All right, well, let's uh, hear your honorable mentions that you wanted to get off before we start. Oh, sure. Uh, so, After Yang, uh, Koganaga film, his, uh, has a Colin Farrell. This is the year of Colin Farrell, let's be honest. Absolutely. He knocked it, he knocked it out of the park on, on all four roles. He had Banshees yep. of Inisherin, After, After Yang, 13 Lives, and, uh, of course, The Batman. Uh, where killer year penguin. just absolutely killer year just the renaissance of colin farrell um but yeah that's a very quiet film uh about grief loss and uh moving moving forward couldn't recommend it enough but that's a honorable mention uh rrr just a three-hour epic <laughs> speaking of <Yeah>. three hours <laughs> movies <laughs> A three-hour so epic. So many of them. Uh, it's just a wild ride. Um, it's on Netflix, uh, it, and it should be nominated. Uh, it should be India's uh, submission for a, or maybe it wasn't. I think they chose another film, and that's why people were so outraged. Yeah, I think it's it, in it contention for best song. Okay, is that the only one? It should win best song. That that song is just awesome. That dance sequence, oh, yeah, great, great stuff. Uh, Athena, which is a French film, it's on Netflix. They just dropped it on Netflix uh, with like no buzz. They just dropped it like three months ago, I want to say, but it's so crazy good. Uh, it starts with the, like this like 14 minute long take. There's multiple long takes in the movie, but this 14 minute long take, I don't know how they did it. Uh, there's definitely no edit because they've done like some behind the scenes sequences of how they did it. But I'm just like, yo, that is crazy. Uh, it is just chaos um, ensuing. Uh, that's a, I, it's basically about a brother. Uh, well, four brothers. One of the youngest brother uh, gets killed in action, or not in action, like basically uh, by police. I'm gonna put in quotation because it's assumed it's by police. So then a war breaks out between uh, protesters and and police, and it could very well. It very much reminded you of uh, the protests that occurred in America. You know not even two years ago uh, with George Floyd and everything like that. All that just collides. Uh, but that's a film that's definitely stayed with me. Uh, Moon Age Daydream, the David Bowie uh, documentary. It's not a typical doc. It's definitely different. That being said, it's very visual and crazy edits happening. Uh, the sound and the music really just throw you there. And I learned a lot about David Bowie that I didn't know. Uh, but again, going in, don't expect your typical doc. It's much, much more than that. 
and then uh, I think it may be on the Go ahead. Oh, I was just I missed it. I was supposed to see it in IMAX. Yeah, so I'm kicking myself for for not getting oh, that's there. So good. I feel like that that probably was the best course of action to see it was IMAX. I mean, it should be on HBO Max in spring of this year. I wonder how it will play at home. Uh, however, because uh, the sound is very much its own character in it. Uh, so I'll be interested to see how that plays out. And then All Quiet on the Western Front. I think this is like the third or fourth adaptation of this uh, book. That being said, this is from obviously the German perspective. Uh, and it should be nominated for uh, Best Foreign Language Film. I also think it may be nominated for Best Picture, because uh, I think it is that good. It is so good um, that it just throws you into just exactly the perils of war. Uh, it's hard when it comes to war films, because especially post Saving Private Ryan, you know, everything is compared to that. That being said, this really throws you there uh, and puts you in put you in the trenches and just you know all these all these kids basically you know they just turn 18 or they or some of them would fake that they're 18 like by like fudging the numbers you know they went to war the great world war indicating like oh i'm gonna be a war hero i'm gonna be you know uh, basically celebrated and then they go <laughs> then they go there to the, the actual like boot camp get thrown into the trenches and they realize the cost of war and it's just really uh, unsettling um really throws you in for a loop um but that's uh that's on netflix as well another one that netflix just didn't even promote i'm a little upset about uh, but hopefully it gets some buzz and more people see it because it's it's unforgettable I'll definitely be checking that one out. I knew it was on Netflix. I just hadn't found the time for it yet. Yeah, I feel like they just... Uh, they only promote, like, a couple films, it feels like. Or they promote, like, just the TV shows, a couple TV shows. It kind of just pisses me off a little bit. I'm like, you have great stuff right here, and you're not pushing it. You're pushing this garbage instead in our face. It's like, I don't want... Murder Mystery 2 with Adam Sandler <laughs> to, to be like front page. I want this to be front page. Or they release a big movie in theaters for one week and could have made a gazillion dollars. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that mindset was. That's yeah. Why would you spend four hundred like fifty million dollars on this only to release it for a week? Because <laughs> it would have made a ton of money. It would have made triple. You know, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, nine figures easily, if, oh, if yeah, they yeah. did a real theatrical release. At least make some of your money. Pretty back. bizarre. Pretty bizarre. Pretty bizarre. Um, but whatever. I guess they know better than us. Um, see their stock market. No, I think they're course. kicking themselves. Yeah, I would hope so. So let's get into the top ten. How how are you feeling about your list overall? I made a couple tweaks last night, but I'm pretty happy with it. What about you? I don't I don't feel 100% on it. Like uh the back half is definitely 
uh, kind of weird, but uh, I'm going. I'm, I, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna have to just stick with it uh, and deal with it. Whatever. Maybe when I do the written form, I'll cheat and change some stuff around. Um, but I'll start. Um, my number ten. Great theatrical experience and still a fun experience at home. Uh, one of the surprise horror hits of the year. Uh, Barbarian. This is my number ten. Awesome. Great pick. Yeah. Loved it. Loved it. Can't recommend it enough to everybody who hasn't seen it. Um, and definitely go in blind if you haven't. Yeah, that was... Uh, watch it twice. That first, The first act is probably the best first act in a horror film in a decade. Yeah. Maybe longer. It's so good that you don't know where it's going. And then it just like throws a rug underneath you and you're like what the hell just happened um but the tension everything is there and you're just sweating <laughs> not expecting what's about to occur and oh god it's so yeah absolutely the um if if it hit the ending a little bit better it would have made at least my honorable mention or maybe my top 10 it just missed out on the cut there's some crazy zigzags throughout, but yeah, towards the end it, it gets a little bit more bonkers than <laughs> than the first two thirds of it. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a hell of a lot of fun. Um, so what's your number yeah, ten pick? Absolutely. My number ten pick ended up on countless of uh, critics' worst list, and I don't care. I'm going to start controversial and go Blonde. Woo, there we go. Blonde is, um, blonde is my number 10. Um, I think a lot of people... I think the buzz or the negative buzz around this film is unwarranted because they, uh, they were expecting a biopic. And I'm sorry, this isn't a biopic about Marilyn Monroe. If you want a biopic about right. Marilyn Monroe, there are countless other films or TV movies or even documentaries if you want to learn about Marilyn Monroe. This is a work of fiction. Deal with it. This is art. Um, that being said, you know, they're like, oh, upset about you know, the movie being exploitive. Spoiler alert, Marilyn Monroe's life was exploitive. Her entire life. Um, it's, it is a trauma a three almost a three hour long trauma <laughs> film so it is very rough uh to watch from time to time it does overstay its welcome a little bit it's a little repetitive uh towards the end but i still uh couldn't stop thinking about the film and discussing it with other people uh about why did they like it or why didn't they like it because it's, it's a horror film. It's a horror film about Hollywood. Or about this actress. And what they dealt with. Uh, and what uh, what was going on behind the scenes. Like, obviously, in front of the camera, you know, they're loved by so many. But then behind the scenes, they, they're dealing with demons and all sorts of stuff that's occurring. Um... And again, it, it's a work of fiction, so don't take it as this is what occurred in uh, Marilyn Monroe's life or Norma Jean's life. 
it was a split personality, basically. You had Norma Jean and you had Marilyn Monroe. The second the camera turned on, Marilyn Monroe was alive. The second the camera turned off, Norma Jean was there. And that's what the film is uh, basically trying to balance. It's like, this is what she was dealing with. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if you don't like the film, that's okay. I would love to discuss the film with you. But, you know, it's one of those things where I think it's important to know that this is not a biopic. And uh, I w would love to hear your thoughts about it after you do see the film. And I have a feeling you'll probably probably break it up into two viewings because yeah. It, it, yeah, it is long. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm definitely more intrigued now. I think I, I was really putting it off just because it was going to be really long and I knew it was going to be a very challenging watch. Um, but I, I'll, I'll definitely get in there at some point. Um, speaking of challenging watches, my uh, number nine pick is Alex Garland's Men. Um, yes. <laughs> which I know you and I are both part of this a small cult of people who love this film. Uh, but uh, yeah, I've watched it several times. It is a trip. I would not recommend it to most people because it is it is some out there stuff and some really grotesque body horror. Uh, really, tr it's, it's just it's just crazy. It's just a crazy, crazy uh, horror, psychological horror esque uh, uh, film. But uh, I I really really dig it. Yeah, I uh yeah, I'll discuss this film in a little bit. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh fuck yeah. I love to hear it. Um All right, what is your number 9? Uh my number 9 I cheated a little bit um, cuz this movie did come out in 2021. However, it didn't come to America till 2022. But it's called Petite Maman. It's a French film. It's on Hulu right now. Uh, it's made uh, made by uh, Celine uh, uh, Celine uh, Schiama, I believe that's how you pronounce her name. But uh, she made Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which was ooh okay my favorite film of 2019. Uh, and uh, this is a very small film. It's like. Uh, you'll find this funny it's like an hour and 12 minutes so it's like yes. the opposite of a three hour oh movie. my god yes it, uh, however it does feel longer because of how the film plays out so it feels like a two hour movie um, but that being said I was still very much invested in the film it's basically about a eight year old who uh, had just lost her grandmother and she goes to uh, basically like like the grandmother's house. Uh, they're like cleaning it out. Like her parent, uh, her mom and her dad are there, just cleaning it out. And uh, she just her mom can't is you know dealing with grief obviously, and she leaves the home, and it's just her kind of like she just goes into the woods. To just uh, uh, I don't know, cope with what what just occurred, but yeah, it just follows a young girl coping with the death of her maternal uh, grandmother, and then just bonding with her mother. That's basically what the film is about. I don't want to spoil anything else about it. I almost did let it slip, but I I didn't I didn't. 
that being said, I, I, I do recommend this movie to those who just want something quiet, something simple, and something poetic. I think this is a film, and it just, it made me cry at the end. Uh, so, kudos to this film for uh, doing that. That's two for two for Celine for making me cry back to back with Portrait of a Lady on Fire in this movie. But yeah, the movie is Petite Maman. Excellent. I hadn't heard of it before, but uh, you definitely have me intrigued, especially with the uh, length, and then also I loved the last film from that filmmaker, so um, I'll definitely add that to the list, and it's always helpful to know where it's playing, so I'll take a look at it on Hulu. My number eight pick is the movie that I was regretting a few minutes ago having on here, and I don't feel great about it. This is the one I'm like, I don't know if this belongs on here, but I... Wanted to stick, keep it there because of the theatrical experience, because of the impact that it had, uh, particularly when you saw it in IMAX. But uh, I, I put Top Gun Maverick here, which I recently rewatched at home, and it was still good and entertaining, but didn't like hit me like it did in that IMAX screening where I'm like, oh man, this is a blast. Um, so yeah, I, I've got it mm-hmm. there at my number eight, but I don't feel great about it. I'm surprised that it actually is a little bit lower. I was expecting it to be actually higher. I don't know why. I had a blast with it the the first time around, but the, the, it definitely dropped considerably on the second rewatch, and honestly, I don't really feel like it belongs here, but sticking to my guns, it's too late. This might be the jackass forever spot. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so what's your number eight? Uh, number eight, you discussed it recently, but uh, it's The Northman, uh, written and directed by Robert Eggers. Uh, it really threw me for a loop. Um, when I first watched the trailer, I was like, what the hell is this? Like, this looks just absurd. Is it absurd? Yeah, a little bit. Of course, it's like uh, like a fantasy historical action just like what is happening kind of thing uh, you know it's Vikings and it's so simple it's basically gladiator but with Vikings but it works <laughs> it works on all the levels that you need it to work it's just a, your straight revenge like I'm gonna revenge, like take I'm gonna avenge my father's death like okay I'm sure that's exactly how he pitched it, too. He's like, I'm thinking of like a Vikings movie. Just avenging the death of a father. There's like... Here's yeah, money. and then there's a lot here's more a to it. <laughs> there's so much more to it. And uh, yeah. I, I, I haven't watched it on Peacock. I know it's on Peacock. Because um, I'm, I'm kind of scared to watch it on like a regular TV versus like the theater. But the theater experience... I was blown away by it. I'm like, this is epic. And uh, immediately just takes you there. And you felt like you were physically in that, uh, basically there in, in uh, is it Iceland? I forget where they're set. But it's, but it's just, and, like Norway and Iceland. I should have done a rewatch of this before making this list because now I'm feeling like, yeah, Northman probably belongs in that Top Gun spot. <laughs> yeah, and Alexander Skarsgård, uh, and obviously uh, Anya Taylor Joy, 
you know, I got Nicole Kidman, uh, Klaus Bang. But Skarsgård just gives it it all. He is just yeah. a beast in this movie. And just, like, the violence and everything just goes for it. Uh, absolutely bonkers. Some sequences are crazy bonkers. You're like, what is happening? Um, but you got to also understand, you know, it's a, they throw in a lot of mythology. So you have to uh, respect the mythology. And I think if you uh, go with it, I think you'll be rewarded. Absolutely. Yeah, great pick. My number seven is uh, Jordan Peele's Nope, uh, which was like a Spielberg release in the summer this year. Um, mm-hmm. I I really liked it. I'm a big fan of his. Uh, I, I think the first time around, I was like, I'm not too sure, not 100%. Watched it again. I'm like, yeah, I do really dig this movie. Um, is, is it his best? No, I don't think so. But uh, I, I found myself thinking about it a lot. And then it's just really enjoyable uh, just throwing it on at home in the background and just re-watching it uh, you know, several times over. It's just a, it's a fun watch. Yeah, I rewatched it too. Uh, what is that on Paramount or is it on? It's on Peacock. Peacock. It's on Peacock. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just rewatched it, and uh, I actually think it is my favorite of his three films. Uh, after the rewatch, I I would give it the edge over uh, Get Out. Um, Us is his weakest in my opinion. I just yeah. didn't really care for Us that much. Uh, I thought it was bland compared to these two i thought this one what it's what he's really like talking about he's tackling like five different things and uh he does a really good job balancing that uh and uh yeah i mean daniel kalua kiki palmer stephen yon they're all great in the movie uh kiki i think uh definitely uh, deserves the buzz absolutely she's she's fantastic in it as is daniel daniel's very uh subtle and quiet uh but he's also stoic in the film and he does a great job of that yeah absolutely like yeah people complain about his character or like performance but i don't think they understand how hard it is to do what he is doing in that movie um yeah to be quiet but still carry a film it's like come on yeah all right, so let's see. What's your number seven? My number seven is Men, Alex Garland. Alex, Alex Garland's film, uh, his third film, I think, and uh, all three of his films have made my top ten that they come out: Ex Machina, Annihilation, and now this one. Uh, I agree with you where I feel like this one got overhated uh, in the be- in, right when it was released. Um, it's simple but it also tackles a lot of metaphors uh, uh very biblical wise and uh very uh yeah body horror <laughs> definitely definitely crazy uh crazy shit but the rewatch kind of uh, propelled it for me um and uh i think a lot of people I think a lot of people just found it just like nothing happens in this movie. Um, it's just uh, men hating. Uh, 
misogynistic kind of thing. They just like, why is a man making a movie about misogyny uh, from a female perspective? It's like, like maybe he finds it fascinating. I don't know. <laughs> like this <laughs> is the third he? film where, yeah, yeah. Oh, how dare he? Like this is the third film with basically a female lead. If you think about it, yeah, because you have Ava and Ex Machina. Natalie Portman's character in Annihilation can't forget about Devs the TV show yeah. that's on Hulu so he he wants to understand uh, and I and he's doing it again uh, with his next movie Civil War with Kirsten Dunst and I'm like I'm like yes just keep doing it keep writing uh, don't don't listen to the haters it's like don't like how, how dare a man white from a woman's perspective it's like Maybe he just finds them. He wants to understand their process, their thought process. And uh, I just, I think this one has a lot more to say about, uh, about misogyny and uh, how does a woman uh, overcome trauma in her life? Uh, is she oblivious to it? Is she, uh, does she see what's occurring, but uh, stay silent on it, or is she vocal about it? So I think it, uh, I think it, it does a great job of tackling all those themes, and I can't recommend it enough because of Jesse Buckley. She's my girl. She's mm-hmm. fantastic in it. As is uh, Rory Kinnear. Rory Kinnear is fantastic in it as well, and I think he deserved uh, some award buzz because he plays like seven different people (laughs) yeah incredible but it's also in the trailer so i don't care yeah absolutely uh so yeah i'm glad that we both really love men and i'm i i feel like one day it'll probably become like a cult hit we'll see i think it will my number six is probably my most controversial pick only in the sense of where it's placed as this is uh basically number one on most people's lists and it's uh from my perspective the front runner for best picture and uh it's everything everywhere all at once um which i do enjoy a lot i've always been a big fan of the daniels and i did rewatch mm-hmm. it again recently to make sure and like both times i watched it i really really loved it but like i don't quite connect with it the same way that most people do there's some other films that are above it that just uh, hit me a bit harder and I think about a lot more but overall I really like it and I won't be upset if it wins Best Picture and I, honestly that would be a great thing to have such a bonkers film of like it's particularly in styles that I like and stuff um, especially with like a mostly Asian cast and stuff of that nature uh, like I have no issues with it winning the whole shebang um, but for me it's at my number six uh, and I imagine it will be, uh, it, it'll be on yours at some point. Yeah, it will be. <laughs> yeah, I figured. Um, so we can talk about it a little bit more when we get to it. Um, what is your number six? Uh, Top Gun Maverick. Oh, okay, uh, I feel better now that it's at least on yours too. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it had to, it had to be in my top ten. That was a uh, saw it twice in theaters. Still haven't watched it at home uh, yet. That being said, uh, I just, I can't believe that they crushed it on every level. Like, I didn't expect the emotional uh, 
punch that it had. Um, and yeah. just to take you right back, I'm not a huge fan of the original Top Gun. I understand its relevance. Um, yeah. And it's a fun, you know, popcorn flick. Um, but I think this one just flies right past that one in every aspect. Um, the cinematography, the story, uh, the action, uh, and just the characters. Just like obviously, you know, Iceman is basically Hangman, so you see a lot of similarities in that. You know, it's in the volleyball. You got football on a beach. Like okay, whatever. Say what you want about that, but it's riveting from start to finish. You're like you're there, and uh, yeah. they do it like a heist, just, and I love heist movies. Yeah, behind yeah. enemy lines, get that shit, and they really, uh, you know, get the the emotional bond uh, at the end, and it, they they stick the landing. The most jaw-dropping, like, footage up in those planes. Like, it's just incredible, girls. I love Tom Cruise. He's my guy. I know he's a weirdo a bit outside of the thing, but I just love what he does for cinema, like, every time. And the man's going to die someday in the name of cinema (laughs) for the crazy (laughs) things that he does. Yeah, I agree with uh, Bill Simmons. What did he say? He's like, he's going to die doing a stunt for uh, Dead Reckoning Part 2, Mission Impossible, and, like, He's like, he's like, I don't care. It's like, this is for the movie. It's going to be the final <laughs> shot at Dead Reckoning, which is why it's called Dead Reckoning. Jesus. It's like, I'm like, yeah, funny. probably. That's probably what's going to happen. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah. I, I didn't enjoy it as much at home the second time, but it's still a really great uh, experience. But, yeah, definitely it's like one of those movies that's just like, it just goes over the edge in the cinema, particularly in IMAX. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Alright, so we're cracking the top five now. Um, I will uh, say four of my top five films are actually movies that I've only seen once, so shame on me for that, but in my defense, uh, most of them are not available uh, at home at the current moment. So, um, But my number five is, it's actually a Netflix film, my number five pick is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, um, nice. which which nice I pick. watched uh, a couple weeks ago, and I absolutely adored. It was gorgeous. Definitely my favorite animated film of the year. And stop motion, as we know, is very, very hard. And I do love stop motion, but I'm not always vibing with stop motion movies content-wise. But this is something different, especially uh, a, a story like Pinocchio, which has been told so many times and hilariously had a Bob Zemeckis uh, adaptation for Disney Plus a few months ago, which I have not seen. But uh, Guillermo found a way to do a very adult-oriented and new take on this classic tale, and it just floored me. It was uh, a beautiful piece of art. Yeah, it's uh, it's full del Toro. <laughs> So you can expect a great production value, uh, the story of fascism throw, thrown into there. You have the, uh, the emotional punch, then you have the incredible animation that uh, he does. Great, great voice work too. Great songs. Um, I watched it twice. 
didn't make my didn't make my list. However, it is fantastic, and uh, uh, he's like back to back great great films, uh, Nightmare Alley and this one. So uh, good to see him uh, shaking off the uh, the dullness of the Shape of Water. Yeah, definitely. So, what's your number five? My number five is. Bob's and Mecca's is... No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> if anything, that's, that's the worst film of the year. Um, but my number five is uh, Banshees of Inishirin. Nice. Love Banshees. I, I rewatched it a second time, and uh, I'm loving the fact that it's gaining some steam right now and definitely de- deserves all the, the love that it's getting. We'll bring him up again, Colin Farrell. Absolutely uh, deserves the buzz and uh, deserves the award for best actor. Uh, Brendan Gleeson. I'm pulling for him. I haven't seen The Whale yet, but I am pulling for Colin, especially given the entirety of his work this year has just been top notch. Just absolutely crushing it. Like, how can he not? And he's just such a likable dude. Uh, but yeah, Brendan Gleeson and uh, Barry Keoghan and uh, Carrie Condon. Carrie Condon actually is my favorite to win Best uh, Supporting Actress, only because Stephanie Hsu is not uh, nominated for Best Supporting Actress for Everything Everywhere All at Once. They decided to campaign Jamie <laughs> Curtis instead, which is stupid. Yeah. Um, but I'll get to that later. Uh, but yeah, I... Uh, she's fantastic in the movie and uh she kind of ties it together uh the loneliness the despair uh the depression like how how do you how would you react with uh i mean i'm sure we're going to discuss this in a little bit because i'm sure this is on your top far it is okay (laughs) but like how would you react if you know who you consider a close friend just decides to not be friends with you anymore like would you be perplexed by it would would you try to figure out why uh, but i think it tackles it very subtly and um does a great job of just showing you and telling you as well of why he's doing what he's doing um as depressed as that may make you like how do you move on how do you move past that in life uh, yeah it's a very sad film but it's also very funny too it's like incredible black comedy very dark but very dark yeah you're not gonna feel great (laughs) coming out of it but you'll at least have some moments of of clarity and and funness um yeah yeah we can dive into it a little bit more but uh yeah banshees man uh i need to do a rewatch of it i started a rewatch the other day but i only got like 20 minutes into it so i need to and for those who are interested that. it is on hbo max now so yeah oh yes thank you yeah definitely want to share that that was your fifth pick correct okay my number four then is another one that i've only seen once and i saw it in a theater with one other person in the who was an old man that got up to the bathroom every 10 minutes um when it first came out in theaters, but uh, it's uh, Todd Field's Tar, uh, which I just tar. really, really loved. 
the Lydia Tar herself. Um, yeah, uh, Kate Blanchett, definite lock, no question about it. She'll be uh, winning Best Actress. Uh, this movie is weird. Uh, it's very long, but I it, I didn't really feel the length in the theater. Um, and it, it tackles some very interesting questions about today's society and cancel culture. And, like, does somebody with a huge ego um, that is, like, this, you know, quote-unquote genius, uh, what happens to those people when they are canceled? Are they ever actually canceled? Uh, is, mm-hmm. is really interesting things to tackle and Todd Field like it's a jarring film I mean it starts with the end credits <laughs> like and uh it, it, it's got really weird insert scenes that really don't really have anything to do with the overall picture and choices like that that are uh I don't know I just thought about it a lot after it was over and I still think about it from time to time quite a bit can I ask uh, uh, can I ask, in terms of what you're uh, discussing, in terms of the uh, insert scenes, uh, do you uh, like the dream stuff, the like horror what... element? Yeah, <laughs> like the stuff that would okay. happen to her in we'll, the middle okay, of the we'll, night. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss that. Excellent. Okay, we'll, okay. Uh, we'll discuss that uh, a little bit once it. It's, it's Glad to hear it. My top five. Cool. Uh, well, let's continue onward then. What's your number four? My number four, um, I need. I, I hope that you've seen it. If you haven't, you need to see it. It's on. It's a Korean film, Decision to Leave. It's on my list, but it's only on like what is it, movie or something like that. So movie. I haven't gotten yeah, around to movie. it yet. It is uh, Park Chan Wook. Yeah. It's uh, very uh, crime, but also like romance, Hitchcockian, uh, noir, throwback a little bit. Uh, definitely a detective story about a woman who gets accused of murdering her husband and a detective trying to figure out and solve the crime. But it's also so much more, uh, more than that in every sense of the word. Uh, I rewatched it a second time, and it was a little bit lower on my list. But after the second viewing, it pushed it to my top five because there is so much detail in this film, and so much uh, happening with like the edits and the camera work, and uh, the story itself that you just get thrown in. Uh, it's very unconventional, um, but I. Uh, I definitely recommend it for those who want something a little bit different um, than your standard old detective story. This is a this is one for this is one for the ages, and I think it will only gain steam. It it, it is my uh, pick for best foreign language film as well when it comes to uh, the Oscars. I think this one will pull it out. I've been waiting for it. I might just blind buy it. Um, Because, yeah, it's been... I love Park Chan-wook. And, uh, yeah, I've been really, really wanting to see it. And now that I see that it's so high on your list, then I know it's like, all right, this is a a mandatory watch that i got to get on uh, sooner than later. Definitely. Definitely, definitely. 
So I keep flip-flopping between my top threes, and I think two and three could honestly be interchangeable. Ah, geez. I've got it set in two different ways right now, but uh, I'm just going to uh, forget it. It doesn't matter. We'll just consider that two and three could go in either <laughs> position, but I'll, I'll say number three for now. I'll go with um, uh, Matt Reeves, the Batman. Um, obviously, I'm a massive Bat fan, and this is the Batman movie that I've wanted my entire life. Go figure. A uh, character who is the world's greatest detective, it's only taken you know, 33 years to get a film where he's actually a detective. I'll bet not a great one in this movie, but uh, I, I just like it. Just I loved it. It's just so much. It's gorgeous. Uh, Greg Frazier, right? Shot that. Um, yeah, yeah. Greg Frazier. And, and uh, it's just got that vibe. It's got. It just has that perfect blend of Batman that I've I've always longed for in live action form. And you know, I'm a huge Robert Pattinson fan. I love what he's doing with the character. Uh, I was just really, really... Uh, Colin Farrell, obviously, was great. Uh, John is really good in this. Um, Zoe Kravitz, wonderful casting. Oh, of course, our boy Paul Dano as a, a very unhinged Riddler, uh, just going full Dano in, in the movie. So uh, I, I really, really, really dig it. I've probably watched it like three and a half times, this movie, uh, a couple times in theaters. Um but uh, yeah, very very happy with uh, what we got out of the Batman. And another three-hour film. Another three-hour film. Yep. I still haven't watched it on uh, HBO Max, so I still need to do that. Um, but it made my top twenty. Yes, I made a top twenty. Everyone. <laughs> Mine <laughs> also was twenty. On the honorable mentions. Uh, what was also in 20? Oh, mine was also 20. Yeah, it was huge. The initial short list oh, was yeah. big. All yeah, right, just... what's your number three? Let's get to it. My number three is Everything Everywhere All at Once by The Daniels. Um, I uh, This is one of those movies that came out, was it April, I think? Yeah, it was and, early in uh, the year. Yeah, I I can't believe it still has the buzz, and I'm so happy for it. And A24, um, it deserves all the praise in the world for what it's tackling. And uh, I've recommended it to dozens of people, and I feel like every single person has at least liked the film. So I feel proud about that. <laughs> um, some loved it, some just liked it, and that's okay because it's it's a lot. Um, this film is coming at you 110 miles an hour, and it just it does hold your hand from time to time by explaining uh, what's occurring in the film, and that's okay. Uh, sometimes um, that does bother me. Uh, when you're when you are holding my hand because just let me figure it out on my own but in this context it worked uh, because 
the, I don't know, the, the way that they're just throwing you into each universe, you're like, okay, how is this occurring though? Like, I need to understand this. Uh, they do a great job with that. Uh, it's funny, it's sad, it's got great action, um, different action, I should say. <laughs> Um, but martial arts and uh, Michelle Yeoh, um, Ki-Hu Kwan, who is my favorite to win Best Supporting Actor, uh, Stephanie Hsu yes. and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Now I'll get to this. I understand Jamie Lee Curtis is playing against type a little bit. However, any you could have any actor in that role and the movie would still work. You could take out that character. And the movie would still work. If you take out Stephanie Hsu's character, the movie does not work. Stephanie Hsu deserves to be in award rec uh, recognition right now, not Jamie Lee Curtis. So I don't know why A24 is pushing Jamie Lee Curtis instead of Stephanie Hsu. I still like Jamie Lee Curtis in the movie. But I love Stephanie Hsu in the film. It's not an awards caliber performance. Like it's comic it's relief for the most part. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, like I'm just gonna throw on some hot dog fingers. Congratulations. Uh, I'm gonna throw on this little fat suit and this wig. Like okay, like I think it's stretching. just purely for you know Starfucker campaign stuff, where it's like we want a big name to help promote this film. So we're going to yeah. get her in there. So she goes to all the dinners and, you know, talking head stuff or whatever to get this movie amped up. And I think that is probably part of the reason why it still has such huge momentum nearly a year later um, for the Oscars. So I, I, I'll thank her for that. Um, however, I just think they are really uh, screwing themselves over by not pushing for Stephanie instead absolutely um, but the everything yeah, the, bagel the monologue <laughs> incredible yeah it just yeah absolutely it just uh i wish it was playing on us is it on streamer i don't know if it is Maybe it's, it's on showtime DVD. it's on showtime is it on, oh that's right because of their contract with um a24 um i i hope it you know it feels like a lot of people have seen this movie now because I think it's like the first uh, A24 film to make $100 million at the box office. So yep. proud of proud of it for that and uh, the, uh, the actors and everyone involved in the film. But it made me cry. It just takes you on a roller coaster of emotions. Um, it, does, uh, it does overstay its welcome just a little bit. Um, that being said... It's it like you could it still works with the uh, extra ten minutes um, in the film because you kind of get the uh, <laughs> there's like one or two many uh, universes that are occurring that I just go what is this adding but that being said it, it's still um, absolutely incredible and can't recommend it enough uh, probably one of the the most I've laughed at a movie in quite a while as well yeah if the sports books have betting going on right now for oscars this would be i'd put money down today on uh this movie winning best picture it just seems to have all the buzz 
uh, and it's captured the hearts of so many people. So um, really, really great movie um, and very, yeah, very different. Absolutely. What's your number two? My number two is Banshees. Uh, so we could talk about it a little bit more now. And I loved what you brought up uh, when we were talking about it, when you picked it. Uh, which I do want to elaborate on, and I, I think it's the reason why I've connected so much with it. And I have experienced this. I, I did have a best friend that one day, out of the blue, stopped talking to me for no reason at all and would not give me an explanation or anybody else, and it fucked me up bad. And, like, I connected with this film so much because, like, the way that Colin Farrell is in this movie and the way that he reacts and stuff is exactly how I did way back when when this happened to me and the themes that you were talking about of um what it explores is like is it worth you know goofing off and having fun uh if it takes away from your art are you wasting time enjoying life instead of uh divulging yourself into your art um so it's things that i really <laughs> connect to in a lot of ways and so it uh and I'm a big Martin McDonough fan, and so it just it, the movie meant a lot to me, and uh, I I really love it, and I'm pulling for it for especially Colin Farrell, um, but yeah, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, beautiful film. I I don't care so much for the the interesting little like Irish folklore stuff that he throws in there, like the mystical elements. That's not really, it's really underplayed and kind of in the background and stuff. But, uh, yeah, it's just like an acting tour de force. And like we already talked about, very funny and very sad. Um, and uh, a much smaller yeah. film, but uh, really gorgeous and what have you. So, um, and really, like, really all uh, around great. Throws you there. Uh, I, I like how the backdrop is, you know, it's kind of relevant. The backdrop of the film is uh, the Irish Civil War, so 1923, so it's literally set 100 years ago. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, kind of like throws into the theme of, you know, who were once friends now battling against each other. Also, probably best animal in a film this year. <laughs> oh, oh, God, what's her name? Is it? Uh, Jenny, Jenny the yeah. dunk, uh, the pony. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great, great acting Aww. by her. Yeah. Oh my goodness. No, my heart's warm just thinking about that little pony. Um. All right. What's your number two pick? My number two pick is Tar, Todd Fields. Uh movie we kind of already discussed uh, you discussed it a little bit um but yeah Lydia Tarr conductor all renowned um basically one of the best in the world and then her life just crumbles like basically the rise and fall of what can occur uh to someone who uh, not only abuses their power um but uh kind of just gets carried away with with what uh, she's doing how manipulative she is and uh, uh, to everyone around her and uh, it yeah definitely tackles the theme of cancel culture but also can you separate the art from the artist yeah um, yes I I'm one of those people that I can for the most yeah, part same um, 
I, I, yeah. I don't know about Kanye right now, but yeah, <laughs> usually uh, I agree with you. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Kanye's a little rough right now. Like I'm taking, I'm taking a little break from him. That's okay. Yeah. Same. You know, sometimes you need a little break. Um, but I'm, I'm sure he'll be back uh, later down the road. But yeah, uh, this is. Uh, I think that's a a, the, a really big theme. Is just uh, can you separate the art from the artist? It's just uh, there is a sequence in the film that's yes. probably the best written scene of the year, right? Sequence. It has to be absolutely the scene of the year. Um, it's her at Juilliard, and she's having a debate discussion with a student about that about separating the art from the artist the student doesn't like uh is it beethoven or is it bach i think it's bach bach yeah uh the, the student I, I, I yeah bach and uh because he had basically extramarital affairs as well as uh had cis white he's be he's a cis white man <laughs> yeah he's a cis white man that's exactly it that's the line a cis white man and she just just no one i mean she wins the argument however most people who win an argument take it too far they kind of like yes you won the argument now stop however she continues on and it kind of just you're just in awe of watching the sequence because it's also it's a oneer. it's a one take yeah probably 10 or 11 minutes long and you're you get so invested in the scene and what's occurring that you forget that it's just all happening right then and there. And you just see her brilliance and just how she carries herself. And yes, Kate Blanchett. I love Kate Blanchett. She won the Oscar in that scene, like 20 minutes into the film. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. It happens so early on in the film. You go like, that's it. Just give her the Oscar now. As much as I love Michelle Yeoh and everything everywhere all at once. But Kate Blanchett gives her, the, her best performance, um, and absolutely, um, I believed that she was Lydia Tarr. I believe that this was a real person. <laughs> absolutely, uh, the music is fantastic in it, and yeah, the story does um, does take some twists and turns. So we'll, we'll briefly discuss without spoiling anything. I think the sequences that you were uh, you were talking about where they feel a little out of place I think are perfectly in place and I think it goes to show that her talent of how her hearing is so incredible and how she can hear just a li- like if someone's off key by just like a little bit she can hear it that becomes her fault and uh, in her house, she starts hearing little things that she didn't hear before. So it starts to become like her worst nightmare in a sense. Um, going out for a run, hearing like little things, uh, like feeling like she's being followed, um, like sirens, like all that stuff just comes back to haunt her. That's how I interpreted it. However, again, I won't spoil anything. It's definitely one that. Um, kind of just levels you uh near the end uh it's also the film that i feel like i've had the most discussions with 
it's definitely the movie that I've had the longest discussion with my dad. I think we had two separate hour-long conversations about this movie and how we interpreted it, but and, but also how much we both loved it and how it's, like, levels above uh, most things that are cur- coming out now. Like, this is cinema right here, you know, as Marty, Mar- Martin Scorsese would say, <laughs> this is cinema. You know, Absolutely. This is, it. this is pure art. This is exactly why we go to the movies, to be transported. Like, this I cannot so, wait um, to revisit this one. It's be... also got the most incredible ending too, <laughs> which we won't spoil. But yeah, it's like ending, I was yeah, cackling yeah. at crap. the end. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, finish your thought. I find it interesting. Some people laugh um, at the ending. I found it depressing. Um, that being said, it's okay. You know, again, everyone you know interprets it a little differently but i was like yo this is some sad shit um but i could also see the humor behind it so it's like something that you could debate back and forth or like every time you watch the film you could probably change your interpretation or feelings towards particular characters or things like that there's just so many levels so many angles you could view it from it's a it's a fascinating piece of art and i can't wait to rewatch it Mm -hmm. Uh, speaking of incredible uh final 30 second endings i have a seeking suspicion we've once again had the same number one pick uh but i could be way off base here but number one for me is going to be spielberg's the fablemans um it is not on my list it's not oh he didn't even make your top 10 whoa okay Uh, we can dive into this then i uh i really loved it though uh i I felt uh, a big connection to it, um, a you know just more stellar cinematography. Uh, I could relate to a lot of. Obviously, I am not the talent of Steven Spielberg nor the success of it, but like just from that youthful perspective of making movies and having a hard time connecting uh, with people in that vein in your childhood. Um, and then also just him showing a very complicated story that he was never open about for most of his life that people knew him. And uh, I just really liked it. I, I think about it a lot and uh, had a really wonderful uh, last 30 seconds that I, I think about often. Um, so uh, now we got to dive into it, though. Are you not a big fan of the Fablemans? Do you have issues with it? I... I liked it. I just didn't love it. Um, I don't think it packed the emotional punch that I wanted it to. Um, I also felt like the advertising was a little misleading because it's not that film. And I think that's part of the reason why I try to avoid trailers as well. I try my best to. But the trailer was so, I was so invested in the trailer. Um, like I, I like almost got teary eyed from the trailer itself because of how they uh, showcase the film. And then when I watched the film, I'm like, this is not that movie. <laughs> that being said, it's still a very good movie and I like how it tackles um, his struggle with uh, 
with his with his mother, his relationship with his mother, his, his relationship with his father, um, and uh, you know the strain between their relationship and how they divorced and how he uh, still persevered in his career to become a filmmaker. Uh, I just I kind of wanted more. Um, if if that's if that's uh, probably the best way to put it, I felt like the the villains in the movie were almost cartoonish, right? Um, to the point of like beyond believability, it felt very relevant considering what's occurring, um, you know, with the anti-Semitism mm-hmm. uh, that's been you know ha- obviously happening for you know, hundreds of years. I just felt like it was a way too over the top where I'm like, yo, this is like, really? Like, okay. Like just some of the language that was occurring. I'm like, this is like way up here. He needs to bring this down a little bit. Like, I just felt like both the two villains were just, the bullies were way too unrealistic for, for, for me. However, you know, it could have it could have very well happened exactly like that um, to him. I don't know. I just I don't know that that took me out, and that was a big factor for me for the ending not hitting, or not the ending ending, but the near third yeah, act yeah. didn't really the climax resonate with me as much as I wanted it to. I was like, ah, damn, like okay, but it's still. It's still very, very well made, and I'm glad he got to tell his story. Um, I just, uh, I just wanted a little bit more. That's fair. Now I'm very, very excited I will say to the know. Actor. Oh yes, yes. The guy uh, who plays the, Steven? The, the kid. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, does he look and sound like Steven Spielberg? It's insane. Um, great casting. Yeah, he. If you take an image of Spielberg, from like pre Jaws, and you just put that next to him, you're like, that is Steven Spielberg, right? Yeah, it's it's crazy. <laughs> fantastic. Uh, fantastic choice. Okay, the anticipation is killing me. I have a a wild guess in my head, but it's probably way off, just based off of like what you've said lower on the list. Now I'm trying to think of what your number one could be. Has it been mentioned yet? Uh, has it been mentioned yet? No, it has not been mentioned yet. Okay. All right. But I have wild you about it. My wild guess is Triangle of Sadness. No. <laughs> okay okay um, oh oh shit oh that, now i know what it is i actually just watched it recently uh let's get into it what's your number one after sun written yeah, and directed there by charlotte wells her uh debut film it's about uh a trip that a young girl takes with her father in turkey uh, just a little quick vacation trip uh little does she know it's the last trip that she takes with her father before he passes away how does he pass away it's up to interpretation 
Um, but the film does kind of like peel that layer a little bit here and there uh, while you're watching the film itself. It's a very quiet film. Mm-hmm. Not a lot happens in the film. I understand some people um, may find it boring or slow, uh, and that's okay. I think it that's the intent that it's trying to do. It's trying to get you invested in the characters. Um, and I feel like, why is it number one for me? Uh, number It's number one for me because uh, can you think of a trip that you've taken with either your mom or your dad, or even both for that matter, that you can replay in your head at any given moment? And that, um, it, I mean, is, is there a, a certain vacations, maybe ones where you're constantly going, it's like, go, go, go. You're visiting all these sorts of like monuments or, um, uh, places to eat at or, uh, tourist attractions. Or there's some trips where you only visit like a thing here and there, but it's mostly about just being in the presence of your, of your, uh, mother or your father. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you're just observing them. They're observing you. You're seeing each other as who you are. You're growing into the person that you're going to be. Um, that is why I think it resonated with me so much. I, as I was watching it, I immediately thought of trips that I've, uh, had the luxury of taking with my mom Same. or my dad. And, um, I, there's so many that can replay in my head. We have the the, the beauty of you know, pictures or uh, videos from decades ago that as soon as you see the picture, you see the video, you immediately go like, oh my God, I remember this. You know, it's and that's how it is. It's And that's an important part of the, the film. Daughter. Absolutely. Okay. It's very, uh, you don't know what's real, what isn't. Um, cause not everything in the movie, like basically she is recording stuff on a camcorder. He's recording stuff on a camcorder. Uh, so, sometimes you like, this is exactly how it will play out. So again, you don't know if this is just from her perspective, this is how she envisioned it, or if this is factual. Um, but it absolutely, um, made me sit in silence probably the most and reflect the most i've seen it three times now um the first time i it absolutely destroyed me the second time um, i was a little tired when i watched the second time um so i i kind of like i it still hit me but it didn't hit me as hard and then the third time i just watched it uh, a couple days ago and it just hit me even harder um, the third time than the first time. So it's just the music in it. Um, it's the best shot, last shot of a movie. Oh yeah. Um, and it will just stay with you. And uh, it's giving me goosebumps right now. I'm just thinking about (laughs) it. Um, it's only on movie right now. Uh, hopefully it, uh, will, you know, branch out and, tackle other things that being said if it's playing in a theater near you i recommend it 
it may go thrown back into theaters. I'm, it's an A24 film. Obviously, they're putting all their money behind everything everywhere all, all at once. I wish they would throw some money behind After Sun because I think it deserves a ton of love. Paul Mescal deserves a Best Actor nomination in the movie. He's so freaking good in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very quiet performance, but then it's also saying so much about his character. Um, yeah. Like, how much do you know your parent? How much do they know you? Do you know what's going on behind closed doors um, with your with your mom or your dad? Uh, it's important that you ask questions, but it's also important that they ask questions about you. And uh, that's one where he, you know, he doesn't, he keeps saying to his daughter, you can ask me anything. Um, it's like, but you, and like you can tell me anything. It's like you can tell her stuff too. You know, you can tell mm-hmm. her what you're going through. You know, she's only 11 years old. Like she's not going to ask a lot of things. So it's yeah, it's a it's a woman tackling about how did she miss the signs um, of what her father was going through. And man, absolutely, the last 10, 15 minutes of that movie. If you don't get wrecked by it, you know, I don't know what to say, <laughs> but it wrecked me and has wrecked me three times and it's about to wreck me again for me thinking about it. So that is why it's my number one movie of the year, After Sun. It's a great pick. I just watched it probably a little less than a week ago for the first time. A beautiful piece of art. It was in my top like uh, honorable mentions, but I stupidly did not mention them in the honorable mentions section of this pod. Uh, I just don't think it sat with me enough yet. Um, it's sure. too fresh, and uh, I didn't quite have the same. Em- I felt it, but I didn't have the same emotional impact. Like I wasn't destroyed by it, but uh, I did recognize it. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, really, really great. And I have no doubt it's gonna at the very least, win an Independent Spirit Award. I, I think that'll probably win uh, some big stuff there, at the very least, if it doesn't get Oscars consideration. Um, yeah, I, but, uh, I hope yeah, so. D- I hope it um, gains a following. That's a much quieter film, so for those listening out there, um, you probably haven't seen anything about it, probably haven't seen any marketing, but definitely seek it out um, when it becomes a little bit more widely available. Um, pretty soon I blind bought it on VOD because I wanted to see it so bad and it wasn't available (laughs) on anything at the moment Um, so uh, thank you uh, Adam for joining me once more uh, on the pod I think both of us have some pretty great lists and recommendations for those out there who maybe hadn't seen a lot of these films this year Um, but 2023 is looking pretty excited and we ended this right on time because we're like seconds away from running out of time on this recording (laughs) but uh thank you for joining once again and i'm hoping to see you over there at sundance in a couple weeks looking forward to it buddy thanks for listening y'all bye-bye